Well, church, my name's John and I serve as one of the pastors. And you know what? The message has already begun because it began right there in those waters. I don't want us to miss this. I don't want us to miss what has just taken place because each one of these individuals, they have decided that they are, from this point forward, the entire trajectory of their life is changing moving forward because now their eyes are firmly fixed on the cross and every decision moving forward in their lives, they're saying they're putting into the hands of the Lord. And my hope and my prayer is that this morning when we witness this going on in other people's lives, it does something in, in us. It makes us come back to that moment that we put our feet into that water. Maybe that moment that we accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It brings us back to that moment, fixes our eyes back on the cross again, that we see what God's doing in other people's lives and that spurs us on. That should challenge us. That should encourage us. Our, our heart here at Connection is every single time that you walk in these doors, we want to challenge you, but we want to encourage you. Oftentimes when we're planning these series and these messages, we'll get our pastors together. We'll get our worship team together. We'll get our creative team together. And we ask our pastors, we say, what is going to be the heart of this series? What's going to be the mood of this series? And almost every single time they respond with, this is going to be a challenging series. But they almost put a semicolon and say, but it's going to be encouraging. The reason that when you come in these doors, you hear a challenging but encouraging message, the reason is because we don't want you coming in these doors and then walking back out of these doors with your head held low. We want you walking out of these doors knowing that there's another step that you can take, knowing that if there's breath in your lungs, God's not done in your life. But we also want you to know you have to take another step. You can't remain the same. And so we want you coming in here. We're gonna challenge you. We're gonna push you in your faith and say, don't stay the same. Keep on going. Keep on stepping. But we want you to know that God's not done in your life. I don't know about you. I'm pumped up about this message. I hope you're excited. I'm going to give you everything I have today, but I need you to give everything back to me. We're going to dig in. We're going to see what the Lord has, and we're going to worship Him, okay? Turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. We are gonna be finishing up this series called The Gospel. It's been an incredible series. Hopefully you have been challenged and encouraged through this series. But we're gonna read this passage, um, Galatians 1 through um, verse 10. We're actually gonna start in verse 26 of chapter five. And then we're gonna pray and we're gonna dive in. This is what it says, Galatians, starting in chapter five, verse 26. It says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. For each one should carry his own load. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from the nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let's pray. 
Father, we are thankful this morning to gather. We are thankful to sing praises to you, King Jesus. God, I pray as we open your word this morning that God, it penetrates our hearts. That God, we realize that there is more to be done in our lives. God, I pray as we receive this word that that, God, it'll lead to action. That God, we will not remain the same in our faith. God, as your word says, we, your servants, are listening. Speak to us. Speak to us this morning. God, we praise you. God, we love you. And we lift up this time in your son's name. Amen. Well, in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul, who also wrote the book of Galatians, he lays out this almost roadmap to salvation, this roadmap of the gospel. And and Paul wanted to make it very, very clear and very simple of what the gospel is. And so in the beginning of Romans in chapter 1, Paul explains that there's something in each one of us, there's something deep down in each one of us that we realize that that nature and creation, they scream of God's presence. They scream of God's invisible qualities, his divine nature, his eternal power, and that we cannot deny it, that there's something in every single one of us. When we look at creation, we cannot deny that there is a creator, there's somebody that is greater than us. And that is one of the first steps we have to acknowledge is that there's somebody greater than us. But then Paul continues and he says in Romans 3 that all of us, though, we've sinned. We have fallen short of glory. We have fallen short of God. And so this creates this separation between us and God. You have God who is eternally good and us who by nature are bad. And there's this separation, there's this divide, this chasm that is created. But then Paul, he continues in Romans 5, and he says that in the midst of this sin, that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. And what he's saying here is that there was nothing that we could do to to fix this relationship, that that chasm, that separation was far too great, and somebody had to pay the price for us, being Jesus. Because the reality is that without that, Romans 6 says that the wages of sin is death. And so we realize that without Jesus, without that payment of sin, our, um, the the response is basically death. But see, here's the hope because Paul doesn't end there because he says in Romans 10, that if we confess with our mouths, we believe in our hearts that Jesus is who he says he is, that we too can be saved. And all that we have to do is we just have to call upon the name of the Lord and we will be saved. This is the simplicity of the gospel. And this is what is referred to as the Roman road, right? Many of you, you've probably, maybe this is how you came to faith is somebody sat down with you and they shared with you maybe some of these scriptures and gave you this explanation of the gospel. Another even simpler form of this is Jesus in my 
place. If you had to sum up the gospel, it would be Jesus in my place. The reason Paul in the book of Romans wanted to give this explanation and wanted to make it very, very simple is that oftentimes we try to make it about us. We try to turn the gospel into something more than it is. And we begin to think that maybe we could do something in and of ourselves to save ourselves. And so Paul wants to be very, very clear. Well, what happened with the Galatians is they did just that. They began thinking that they were something that they weren't. They began confusing and making the gospel more complex than it actually was. And so through the entire book of Galatians, Paul is pushing on them pretty hard and saying, guys, y'all are missing it. You're making this into something more than it really is. And I think each one of us at various times, we do the same thing. We begin to think that maybe we have something to offer and that we can do it without Jesus. So probably throughout this series, maybe there's been some times that you felt like, man, I've kind of got my toes stepped on or I've just been pressed upon. I've been challenged a little bit. And the reason that is, is because that's what Paul is speaking to us. He's saying, look, you need to really examine where you're at. And as he finishes up this, this book, that the, the last chapter of this book, he really begins to focus in on our relationships with each other. And what we see in this, this passage is there, <clears throat> excuse me, is a challenge for us to how we just interact with, it, with each other. And there's a call to action. We have to respond to this. Basically, Paul is saying, look, there's things that you're going to have to do in your Christian faith that the body of believers has different responsibilities. And so as we hear this message, we need to realize that there's a response that has to happen. What you're going to see in this passage is there's almost a cycle that takes place. What Paul does is Paul challenges us that we need to examine our hearts. That's the first place that he starts is for us to examine our hearts. And then Paul shifts is once we do that, once we've examined our heart and we're walking in step with the Spirit, then and only then do we then begin to pour into other people. And so the first step is to check ourselves, then we begin to pour into others. And then it comes right back again and we check ourselves again. After we pour into people, we begin, we come back and we check our heart again. And then after that, we begin to pour into others. So you see that's this cycle of checking yourself, making sure you're walking in step with the Spirit, pouring into others, and then letting that cycle continue over and over again. And what I, when I see that in you know, chapter six, what I realized is that per works perfectly with Brandon's illustration last week about the jar, right? For those of you that weren't here, basically what Brandon was talking about is that when we're not walking by the spirit, when we're not walking in step with the spirit, what we end up doing is we walk around with an empty jar. Our spiritual life is empty. And so what we begin doing is we begin looking to everyone else. We begin looking to everywhere else to begin filling ourselves. And so every interaction, every situation, we're constantly trying to fill ourselves up because we're empty. However, when we're walking by the Spirit, when we're digging into our faith, when we're allowing the Word to change our lives, when we are growing each and every day, then our jar is full. And instead of going around trying to figure out how can I get poured into, our response shifts to what can I get from people. Instead, it's what can I give to people. And it's a completely different picture. But what I want you to see is that this illustration is not where we fill ourselves up and then empty ourselves out, fill ourselves up, empty ourselves out. What really needs to be happening is when this is happening in perfect unity, basically it's we're constantly filling ourselves. The, the scripture when it talks about being filled by the spirit, it means that we need to be being filled. That means it's a continual process. And so what ends up happening is we're not having to empty ourselves out. It's out of the 
overflow of our jars, right? Scripture says that it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. And so what should be taking place is that when we're walking in step with the Spirit, the natural response is for our jars, our spiritual life, to be overflowing. That overflowing then goes into other people. And that is what Paul is wanting to take place, is that if we take Galatians 5 about walking with the Spirit and we actually live that out, the response is Galatians 6. That's the natural response. And so today, I don't have four points for you. I don't have an acronym or anything like that. All I know to do is we're gonna, we're just gonna read this scripture. We're gonna see what it says. We're gonna try to dig into it a little bit, try to expand on some areas. And then after that, we just have to do something with it. And that's up to you to decide what am I gonna do with this text. And so let's look back at verse 26 of chapter five. It says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Basically this word conceited, basically it means empty of glory. And what this means is that it means that you are constantly looking for approval from others. You want that satisfaction from others. You want to be able to prove your worth. And so you become to kind of get puffed up because you're like, look at me, look what I have to offer. And then the second side of that, and it's almost in the same um, pendulum, is that we can become envious. Because what happens is that instead of us feeling like we have it all together and feel like we have everything to offer, we begin looking at other people and we say, well, why don't I have that? And so either we become bitter because we don't have that or we're angry because they do have that and we don't have that. And what Paul's saying is that I want you to understand that this is going to happen and the thing is, is why does this happen? Why is it easy for us to become conceited? Why is it easy for us to become envious? Because I believe that there's something deep down in every one of us that we long to be able to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, don't we? There's a day that whenever I, I stand before King Jesus at the end of my life, I'm so desperate and I hope that he will speak to me and he'll say, John, well done, good and faithful servant. But sometimes I wonder, is that what he's going to say? Have I, have I done well? Have I done what I was supposed to do? But I long for that, to be able to hear that from my Lord, right? Many of us, we try to look to others, we look to parents. We want our parents to be able to say, well done, I'm proud of you, right? We, we, we can relate to that. And so we all realize that there is something in us that we, we like hearing that. We like hearing, hey, we, we've done a good job. But what happens is instead of going to the Lord for that worth, for that satisfaction, for that identity, we begin to go to other things. And what happens is we begin to fill ourselves with these other things. When we fill ourselves with these other things, what happens is we naturally become conceited because we're filling ourselves with something that was not intended to be filled in us, right? Or we're empty, and so we're looking at all these worldly things, and we think, if I can just get that, then I'll be satisfied, right? And so this is what's happening is that Paul realizes that just like the psalm says that we're prone to wander, right? Our minds are prone to do this. That though Jesus has set us free from the penalty of sin, the consequences of sin are still prevalent in our lives, right? And so what happens is we need to be aware that this can take place. There's times in our lives that we can become conceited and we can become envious. I think one of the greatest things that could happen though is that we can become aware of that, right? Last week, Brandon was sharing with some of our staff and he was talking about as communicators and as leaders, oftentimes what's in our heart and what is spoken and what is heard can be three different things, right? Sometimes what we feel like we have in our heart and what we feel like we speak and what it, we feel like is heard can 
all be three different things. We hope and we pray that it's all the same thing. And sometimes we can assume that that has, ta has taken place. And what he told us is that sometimes in communication, you might need to remember that what you have in your heart, and though you had the greatest of intentions, might not always be what is heard or what is received. And sometimes what I realize with that is that sometimes I have to be willing to acknowledge I might not have gotten that right, right? And the thing is, is I can't change how I've done things in the past. I can't fix that. However, if I'm aware that there's the potential that what's in my heart and what I'm speaking and what I'm hearing might not always be lined up, then I, I can do something about that. I can try to make sure, hey, did you hear that right? Did you receive that right? And I can begin trying to fix that, right? It's never gonna be perfect, but the more aware I am of it, the more I can do something about it. That's what Paul's saying here. He's like, be aware that this is going to happen, right? And so if you can be aware of this and you can focus in on this, that the more you're able to do that, the more you're able to walk with the Spirit. So once that takes place, once we feel like, all right, I'm acknowledging that, I'm trying to, just as we sang, I'm trying to surrender everything of, of me and be able to really be in step with the Spirit, then we can move on to verse 1. That's why I wanted to share verse 26, is that you have to do verse 26 before you can move on to verse 1. What does verse 1 say? It says, brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. So what's this saying? It's saying when somebody's caught in a sin, what it's mean is they're caught in something they can't get out of on their own. This is a sin that if they could get out of it on their own, they would get out of it on their own. But this is something that when somebody's caught in something that they can't get out of on their own, then it says that brothers, you who are spiritual, what that's really saying is it's saying brothers, sisters, you who are Christian, right? You who are Christian are called to restore them, not you who are pastors or you who are someone else. It's every single one of us that have identified ourselves as believers in Jesus. We are all called to do this. We are all called to come alongside each other and restore each other gently. But see, I don't think as, as a church and like big C church, not just connection, or as a society or as a culture that we do this very well. I don't believe that we really restore people very well. And I think there's a couple of reasons why that is. I think the first reason is that we just don't do it at all. We aren't willing to have the tough conversation. The reason we're afraid to have the tough conversation is we're fearful of what are they gonna say back to me, right? What's their response gonna be to me? So we're afraid to do anything. Or we doubt our own ability. We think, well, who am I to say something to them? But when we question that, what we're questioning is we're questioning the Holy Spirit inside of us. Because in Roman, or excuse me, in Galatians 5, when it says that we're to walk by the Spirit, what comes along with walking by the Spirit is the power of the Spirit. And so when we say, well, what do I have to offer? What we're saying is, well, what does the Holy Spirit have to offer? Because the Holy Spirit, as a believer, is inside of each one of us. And so when we question that, we're questioning God. I don't know about you, but I trust and I believe that the Holy Spirit has some power. And I believe we need to tap into that. So the first thing is we avoid it. We don't do it. The second thing is that I believe that we do it the wrong way. We go about it with the wrong intentions. We go about it maybe with a conceited mindset where we're thinking that we have it together. They should have it together. So let me talk to them about that. 
or we're upset because they have something that we don't. And so we're gonna try to cut them down a couple notches, right? We come about it from the wrong mindset. Why do we do that? It's because we never did verse 26 for ourselves. And so we approach them from the wrong angle. We weren't willing to examine ourselves first, right? And so we have to, we have to look at that and we have to decide what are we gonna do with that? Because once we do that, once we have a right view of people, then it's not about us versus them. Now we can view them in the way that the Lord views them. And we can see that they are important and they are created by God and we can approach them from the right mindset. But you have to have influence in their life. And the way you have influence in someone's life is that you've made an investment in their life. We're not called to go up to people that we don't know, right? That we don't have any relationship with because we have no influence with them. This should be the people that we're walking and we're doing life with, that we've already established a relationship. But without investment, there is no influence. Let's continue. It says, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. So again, Paul's beginning to tell us, continue to watch yourself. You need to be, be cautious about it. You're gonna be prone to wander, so be careful with this. He says, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So what does it look like to carry each other's burdens? And right off the bat, you might be saying, well, I thought we were supposed to cast our burdens unto the Lord. Our Psalms 55, it talks about that. It talks about casting our, our burdens on the Lord. Are we not supposed to do that? And see, here's the thing, church. Our sin, our guilt, the only person that can bear the burden of that is Jesus. None of us can bear that for each other because we have the same issue that everybody else has, sin. Jesus is the only one that can bear that for us. However, there are so many other things in our lives between temptations and fears and anxiety and, and depression and, and so many other things that we deal with as Christians. And that God in his infinite goodness has designed Christian community to walk in each one of these things. He wants to use you to carry each other's burdens. And think about it this way. Like when God speaks to us, one of the main ways that God speaks to us is through his word, right? It's one of the main ways he does that. Another way that he speaks to us is through our prayer life. When we're praying, I, I, I'm not saying that I hear an audible voice of God, but when I'm praying, there's oftentimes that I feel like the Lord's speaking something to me. One of the other ways that I see in my life that happens a lot is I see when other people are able to speak to me and I'm able to hear from the Lord from others, right? Sometimes it's an encouraging word from somebody. somebody. Sometimes it's something where they're pointing out something that I'm not seeing and I'm able to receive that. And so what I realized is that God is using other people to speak to me from him, right? How incredible is it that God chooses to use us to speak for him? Because why? Because the Holy Spirit is in us, right? So it's the Holy Spirit that is speaking. So God, does he have to use us? Does he have to use us to speak to us? Absolutely not. But because he's good, he chooses to use us. He wants us to be part of this. In the same way, carrying each other's burdens, God wants us to be a part of that. He wants us to do this. He wants us to do life with one another. That's why we believe that connect groups are so important. We don't just tell you, hey, you should get in a connect group because just because it's a cool thing to do. No, we tell you to get in a connect group because it's the Christian thing to do. It is what we are called to do as believers. But see, here's the thing that ends up happening. What, what we end up doing is we, 
men, this, this oftentimes happens to us, but I think women, you can be just as affected by this, is we don't want to trouble other people with our problems, right? We, and we feel like, you know, I, I can handle this. I, I can do this. I don't want to trouble anybody else. But see, the issue with that is that though that might be brave or though that might be admirable, the issue is it's not Christian. See, when they got baptized over here, what they did is they decided that my life is going to look different that now I'm placing Jesus as the Lord of my life, and he's now going to be the one dictating the decisions I make in my life. And one of those decisions is that my life is going to look different. I'm going to live different from other people. So while in this world, we might try to handle everything on our own, as Christians, we're called to do life with one another. We're called to have these burdens be carried by other people. It is the way God designed us as the body of believers to exist. So are we willing to do that? Are we willing to allow other people to come into our life and help us? The other thing that ends up happening is that it's not a matter of us unwilling to open up and let people help us. It's our unwillingness to help others. This happens just as much as well, is that we are willing to help and to give people up until the point that we have to make a sacrifice. Because here's the thing, when we carry each other's burdens, when we take on somebody's burden, what has to happen is that we have to be willing to take on some of that burden ourselves. Like that's part of bearing the burdens that we ourselves are willing to take on some of that. And so what ends up happening is we'll say things like, well, I would love to give more, but I just can't afford it. I would love to serve, but I just don't have the time. And I think what I, what I hear in some of that is, well, I would love to do this, but if I did this, it would require me to give up this. And what I realize is that all of us, most of us in this room, we enjoy the act of giving. Let's look at even the financial side of giving. I know that's a hot topic issue in church, but let's think about it for a second. Even non-Christians enjoy giving. There's something that it, it feels good to give. But most of us, we're fine with giving up until the point it means that if I give this, it means I have to give up this. That's when the rubber meets the road in our giving. That's when we have to realize, am I willing to actually sacrifice something to give? And you, you might say, well, John, you don't know my situation. You don't know I'm living paycheck to, to paycheck. I, I, I don't have anything to give, and I don't know your situation. But this is what I would say. In this church, we've had people give $100,000 checks, and we have had people give rolls of pennies. In each one of those situations, it wasn't the amount that they gave that mattered. It was the condition of their heart. Each one of those individuals had to sacrifice something, and each one of those individuals had to start somewhere. We can all start somewhere. It doesn't mean we have to give up everything, but are we willing to give up something? So in this act of carrying each other's burdens, where are you at in that? Are you one of those people that you're trying to hold on to stuff and you're not willing to share and to let Christian community around you come alongside of you? Or are you one of the people that are saying, well, I just don't have the time to, to give to somebody else. I don't have the time, the energy to bear somebody else's problems because I got too many of my own and you're not willing to actually sacrifice anything. Now Paul continues and he says, if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. 
for each one should carry his own load. Now you see, again, this cycle has continued. So Paul, now we've carried each other's burdens. We're walking and we're doing life with one another. We're coming alongside one another. What Paul realizes is, again, we're prone to wander. Our minds are prone to go another direction. We're prone to begin getting conceited and to beginning to get puffed up because now we've come alongside somebody. The natural response, the way the enemy's gonna attack us is he's gonna begin telling us, well, look at you. You don't have that problem. Look at how, how good you're doing, man. You were able to help this person. You are able to, man, can you believe what they have going on in their life? And we can begin to get puffed up, right? And so Paul says, look, if you're going to do this, if you're going to begin walking and step with one another and getting really entrenched in people's lives, it's going to be easy for you to get puffed up. Watch yourself, right? You got to watch yourself. Check your heart again, because again, we're prone to water, wonder, who are you going to get your fulfillment from? Is it from other people or is it from the Lord? So Paul is challenging us in this. But then at the very end of that passage, he says something interesting. He says that we should carry our own load. And when I read this, it seemed almost confusing. And maybe you were confused by it the first time you read it. Because it's like, okay, the beginning it says that we should carry each other's burdens. Now, Paul, you're telling us that we should carry our own burdens. Well, which one is it, right? Are you not making up your mind? And as I dug into this and really studied it over the past couple of weeks, what I realized is there's actually two different definitions. There's two different um, I guess, uh, def yeah, definitions of what's going on here. In the first example, when we're called to bear one another's burdens, the translation of that is basically a heavy load, something that is intended for more than one person. And so when I thought about that, I thought about like that piano that's sitting over there, right? If I took that piano and I put some straps on and I put it up on my back, it would be obvious that I, it is not intended to be carried by one person, right? Unless that person's Chuck Norris, one person is not intended to carry a piano, am I right? Right, and so it's very obvious that that is something that is larger than one person is supposed to carry. But then when it gets to the part we're talking about we should carry our own load, what that's translated as is a backpack. That's translated as a backpack. Well, see, a backpack is specifically designed to be worn by one person. If more than one person was wearing the same backpack, it would be awkward, right? It would be weird to see because a backpack is intended to be worn by just one person. So what do we learn off of that? What we see is that there's things in our lives, there's responsibilities that we have to own as individuals, there are personal things in our faith that we have got to own and we need to take responsibility for. But what ends up happening is we take the things that we need to be responsible for and we try to pass that on to other people. That could be a spouse or a parent or a child or a friend or whoever else. We begin to not take responsibility for our own actions in our own life. Right? Men, sometimes we try to pass off the responsibility of leading our families to our spouse. That's something that they were not intended to carry. We were intended to carry that. That's our backpack to carry. And maybe we need to realize that there's things in our life, our personal walk with the Lord, we need to own that ourselves. But see, there's other things in our lives that we were never intended to carry on our own, that we're walking around with a piano on our back. And if you're going, well, how do I know what I need to own? and what I need to allow other people to come alongside me with. Well, see, here's the thing. When you're walking around with a piano on your back, it's pretty obvious to everyone around you, you have a piano on your back, right? If you see an elderly person walking down the street and they're carrying a big, huge box, there's almost something instinctual in each one of us that we immediately wanna go and help that person, right? Why is that? It's because we see that person was not intended to carry that load. 
when we're walking around with things that we're not intended to carry all by ourselves, everyone around us recognizes it and sees it. Right? My brother and my sister-in-law, they're down um, in Savannah at a hospital right now with their um, child, McKenna, who's suffering with um, pneumonia. And what I realize is that they aren't there to, to carry that whole load. McKenna, as she's sitting there, as that, that little one-year-old baby, she's not intended to carry the entire load of her sickness, right? And that's where we as family, we as other believers, and even doctors come alongside of this family during this time and say, look, we're gonna walk with this walking this with you, right? Because it's obvious, you're, you don't have to do this on your own. You don't have to walk through this on your own. But oftentimes when we're going through tough situations, what we do is we pull back, right? We pull away from community instead of leaning into community. We don't need to run from community. The reason we run from community is because we're prideful and we're afraid to admit to them, I've got issues. I have some problems. The reason that I love my connect group is because I don't have to be Pastor John. I can just be John. And I can just say, guys, you know what? I gotta preach on Sunday, but I have my own issues in my life. I don't have it all together and I need your help. I'm struggling with some stuff. Can you come alongside me? I don't have to pretend to be anyone that I'm not. And so I lean into them on those times. I don't run from them during those times. There's times that I run and there's times that I'm like, well, I don't want them to have to know that. I don't want them to have to see that maybe I'm not perfect. And then finally, the Lord convicts me on that and says, John, what are you, what are you doing? That's what they're here for. God created them. And if I don't allow them to do that, you know what I'm doing? I'm hindering them from being used by God. Think about that. I'm, when we stop people from being able to invest in our lives, that means that God was wanting to use them and we're not allowing him to do that. It's an interesting concept to think about. That we all have this role to play in our faith. You know, at the end of this section that we've been reading, Paul transitions and he goes into this section about sowing and reaping. And we've probably read this passage before. We've probably read, um, maybe even heard messages on this before. And the concept of sowing and reaping, most of us understand. We understand that concept. There's a lot of farmers that come to this church and work in this church. And all of you know that as you plant your seed, that you're not surprised when you wake up the next day and there's not a fully grown crop right? You, you realize that up here that, you know, the harvest takes some time, right? We, it, in order for us to reap what we're sowing, it takes some time. But see, here's what we, what we end up doing is that, and I think about the example of, there's been several times in my life where I've decided, you know, what, I need to go to the gym. I need to start working out. Is it very clearly obvious to, right now is not one of those seasons that I'm in, but there's been some times that I've kind of got motivated and I'll say, man, I need, I, need to, I need to start looking better. And so I go to the gym, I work out really, really hard. And every single time, I kid you not, every time I go home, I look in front of the mirror and I go, well, that didn't do anything, right? You do it too. Don't act like you don't, right? Or maybe it's, maybe it's dieting. Maybe we do the same thing with diet. We decide, you know what? I need, to, I need to change my diet. And so you go home, you clean out the pantry, you get a bunch of really good food. You start eating, drinking, you know, green shakes. It's awesome. And then the, that same night you look, go into the mirror and you go, well, that didn't do anything. I'm going to Hardee's, right? We do that. Because you wanna know why we do that? Because we're dumb, right? <laughs> we're dumb. We're prone to wander, right? We are just mere mortals that, you know what? We need some incentive from time to time, don't we? Sometimes we need some incentive. Paul realizes that. He's not, he's, he's 
simplistic enough to realize, you know, we're, sometimes we just need some of that encouragement. So this is what Paul does for us. He says, look, I realize there's going to be times that you get tired. There's going to be times that you lose focus and you, you begin looking down at your feet and you begin looking down at what's happening today and you miss what's happening and what's coming around the corner, right? And so sometimes we need to have some vision recast into our lives because we get, we get off focus. Um, on Sundays, we gather all of our connectors um, for a meeting, and that's um, connectors are what we call our volunteers here. Um, and basically, one of the things we do is we talk about um, what's happening that day, what's going on, you know, if baptisms are happening or anything else. But one of the things we try to do also is we try to remind them why we're doing it. All right? Why do we have serving teams? Why do we do this? Because when we get caught up in just the what of what we're doing, sometimes that gets tiring because the what of what we're doing is we're passing out announcement cards. That's what we're doing. Why are we doing it? It's because the second people pull into the parking lot, we want them to begin to experience the love of Christ. And that we believe that the message of Jesus starts in the parking lot. So we wanna create such a friendly and such a environment that feels like home that when people come in here, they experience the love of Jesus. So by the time the message starts, by the time worship starts, by the time announcements are happening, people are at such a place that they're able to receive the gospel. So much so that several weeks ago during announcements is when somebody came to know Jesus. The reason that we've created this environment, the why is because things like that will happen when we're focused on those things. But if we just focus on the what, I'm just handing out an announcement card, we're gonna miss it. We're gonna miss what God's trying to do. Sometimes we need to realign our focus and see the why, see where we're going, see that the harvest is coming. You know, when we first started this church, I was a student pastor here. And we had um, been going for a couple of years and then one of my leaders, um, she was my sixth and seventh grade girl um, leader. She um, was so committed to that ministry and she poured into those girls weekend and week out. She shared with them the hope of Jesus. She shared with them the good news of the gospel. She checked in with them throughout the week to see how they were doing. She wanted to make an investment in their lives and she was so committed to it. And then probably a, a couple years after that, she ended up, her and her now husband ended up moving away and probably about six months to a year after that, one of those girls that was in her group was sitting here on a Sunday morning and for whatever reason, it all clicked for her. And she ended up standing up for salvation. And it was absolutely incredible. And I, I saw her stand up and I just, I knew immediately who it was. And I was so encouraged to see one of these girls in the student ministry accept Jesus. And I believe Brandon was preaching on that day and, and no offense to his message, I'm sure it was very, very good. I just don't think that it was fully Brandon's message that allowed her to come to faith that day. I believe it was because she had a leader for two years that poured into her, that sowed into her, right? That just continued to point her to Jesus. And then one day, because of all of that sowing, because of all of that stuff that she had been telling her week in and week out, it all came together and it clicked for her, right? And so I ended up calling this leader, you know, a year later and I said, hey, I need you to know something. That girl that you poured into week in and week out, today she stood up for salvation. Today she accepted Jesus. And I want you to know you were a part of that. You played a role in that. And she was just blown away. She couldn't believe it because she had forgotten about, about it. She didn't forget about her, but like it wasn't on the forefront of her mind. And to see that something she had done two years ago now came to fruition. 
That same girl, she's now in college. She's actively involved in college ministry. She is loving and serving the Lord in an incredible way. And I believe it was because her leader decided for two years to pour into her and to not get focused on the what, but to get focused on the why. And she stayed consistent on that, even though she didn't see the fruits of it until after she left. That's why when Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. What he's saying is don't give up. I realize there's gonna be times in our life that we're gonna get weary. There's times in our personal faith that we're gonna get weary and we're gonna slow down and we're gonna think, well, is anything happening in my faith? I just don't feel like I'm growing right now. And what Paul and what Jesus and what God are trying to scream at you is that keep on pressing in, right? Keep on pressing in. There's more to be done. I know you don't see it right now, but things are happening. The Spirit is moving in your life in ways that you never could have imagined. There's times that we think, well, are we making a difference as a church? Are we affecting this community? The thing is, is that we need to not give up. We cannot become weary. We cannot begin to just go through the motions because now we have a building in here. We don't have to set up and tear down. No, we can't become weary. There's more people to reach. We cannot give up because a harvest is coming. Do we see that? Do we understand that? Are we fixated on that or have we gotten too comfortable? I pray we have not gotten too comfortable because there is more to do, there's more people to reach, and there's more that God wants to do in each one of your lives. You know, at the end of the day, we have to make a decision of what we're gonna do with this information. And I believe that there's about three decisions that we can make. The first is that we need to make a decision for Christ, that we've never put our faith or our hope or our trust in Jesus. We've come in weekend and week out and you've been hearing these messages and the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you. You know he's been speaking to you, but you've been avoiding it. And you know today you have to make that decision. The second thing is that Maybe you're in here and you are a Christ follower. You already know Jesus, but maybe you've become stale in your faith a little bit. Maybe um, there's been some things you've been holding on to and you've realized that I need to open up with, with other people. I need to share this with them. I need to find people that love me and love Jesus and say, I, I need some help with this. Or maybe you've realized that you've been a little selfish and you've been only worried about yourself and you realize that there's some people around you that are hurting, that are struggling, and that God has uniquely equipped you to come alongside of them and you need to get into their life, get into the thick of it with them. Even if it's awkward, even if it's uncomfortable, and you realize I, I, I need to do that. If you feel like you don't have people around you that can help you, then we have a prayer team that would love to come alongside you and, and to bear your burdens with you. There's always people, there's always other believers that would love to be able to do that. So those, those are the first two decisions. I think the third decision is that we do nothing. The third decision is that we do nothing. This week I was reading a devotional. It's a devotional by Oswald Chambers. Um, maybe some of you have re read this devotion before. It's, it's called My Utmost for His Highest. But on February 12th, Oswald Chambers said this. He said, we show how little we love God by preferring to listen to his servants only. We like to listen to personal testimonies, but we do not desire that God himself should speak to us. We are so terrified that God should speak to us. Why are we so terrified that God should speak to us? Because we know that if God does speak, either the thing must be done or we must tell God we will not obey him. 
if it is only the servant's voice we hear, we feel it is not imperative. And we can say, well, that is simply your own idea, though I don't deny that it is probably God's truth. I pray you did not hear my voice this morning. I pray that as we examine this scripture, as we opened up God's word, and it's alive and active, that you heard from the Lord today, and that there's either you can listen and you can obey him, or you can look at the creator and say, no, I'm gonna disobey you. There's only two options. Where are you today? Where are you today? If you're in this room today, and you know without a shadow of a doubt that it's time to say yes to Jesus. You've never put your faith and your hope in him. And you realize today that he is knocking on the door of your heart and you don't wanna wait any longer. Then just like these people stood in front of all of us and proclaimed that Jesus was their Lord, I ask that you do that today by lifting your hand up and saying, today I'm willing to say yes to Jesus. Who is that today that you need to say yes to Jesus? Raise your hand so we can celebrate you, celebrate with you what God's doing. Is there anyone in here that that's you? That you know you need to say yes to Jesus. Well, then for the rest of us, it means that Paul's given us a call to action as believers. That means if all of us are professing believers of Jesus, that we now have a responsibility, that we can't read Galatians 6 and not do anything with it. So we've got to stand up today and walk out these doors and do something with this word. I pray that we actually do that. I pray that we actually do something with it. So I'm going to pray for us. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. Our, our prayer team is going to be over by these doors, um, but I'm going to pray for us and then we'll, uh, we'll finish this up. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for the fact that you knew when you created everything, that there was going to be this moment in time that each one of us were going to be gathered in this room and we were gonna open your word to Galatians 6 and we were going to read it as a congregation. We were gonna dig into it and we we're gonna figure out how do we apply this to our lives. God, you knew this moment was gonna happen. God, you knew each one of the people that were gonna be in here. You knew that I would be delivering this message. God, I pray that I've done that well. God, I pray that we as a congregation, we've listened well and that we will take these words of your scripture and we will apply it to our lives. God, I pray we don't walk out these doors unchanged. God, I pray that we continue to take steps in our faith. God, when we feel like I can't take another step, there's something in us that realizes that we have to. So God, I pray this morning that everyone here was challenged, but God, that they were encouraged and that they are ready to now go out into this community and share the same hope of Jesus with others. So God, we love you. God, we praise you, and we just lift all this up in your son's name. Amen. Thank you all so much for coming. Can't wait to see you all next week.